Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tidy up all the nooks and crannies of your body's basement, but this year Manscaped can help you get the perfect presentation on that beautiful face with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Make sure you look your best this spring by using code BELLYUP20 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. It's time to tame your mane with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. The sun is peeking back out, which means you'll have to show your face in the daylight again. So use the kit to make sure your scruff looks award-winning, whether you got glorious beard flow or some smooth, sleek cheeks. The kit starts off with the Beard Hedger, a waterproof cordless trimmer with a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair-cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of add-ons. It also comes with the titanium-coated T-blades that are tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to a single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel-sized package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. So what are you waiting for? Save 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code Belly up 20 at manscaped.com. Focus on the face and use the Beard Hedger Pro Kit for the cleanest look in the game. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Bader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Well, hello, hello, hello. It's Thursday night, which means it's time for a little MD's Fantasy Football Show action. Guess what? It's time for our Rookie Mock Draft. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on our YouTube feed. You can also download us after the show on your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the show. But this will be our last show for about three weeks or so we're gonna go on a little spring break after this just a little fyi no i won't be gone from social media i'll still be posting all kinds of things but this is a good time to take a little break before we get to those team profiles starting up in june we'll have a lot of guests for that very excited one of our most popular uh series that we have especially over the summertime so excited for that but we will be off in the next three weeks after this show but that's why we have a great show in store for all of you here today. And as always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with my co-host, Chris Dowhauer. Chris, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good. This is one of the more exciting things to do during the season. You, you, you've been watching the mocks for the real draft, and now you're trying to figure out, you know, what really matters, which is Dynasty and also standard redrafts. So we care about fantasy football on this show, and we're going to kind of give you some tips on what we're looking at. In this, um, and I'm excited to go through some of these rookies because I think we like some of these guys more than maybe the consensus is. 
Well, last week we had our NFL draft coverage uh, for the rounds one through three, both on Thursday and Friday. And we had, of course, leading up to that, we had all of our draft series episodes during that time in which we talked about, you know, where our guys were ranked pre-NFL draft process. Now it's time we have landing spots. We have draft capital. We have ideas now of what these guys' pathways in the NFL are actually going to look like. So that's why it's exciting to do this now. Of course, this is rookie mock draft season for everybody else involved on top of it anyway. But I have my rankings updated on BillyUpFantasySports.com. If you go there, check out Dan Mater on tap. Rookie rankings right up there. I'm going to help you guys out and give you an idea of how they've changed in some ways quite drastically, especially at the wide receiver position once the draft was concluded. Now, before we go any further, we have a special guest that we need to introduce. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. He's standing in the top right corner of your screen. He's the host of the Belly Up Fantasy Live show. You can find him on social media at Adam LaRue. Mr. Adam LaRue! Wow, we, we, have, we have upped our little intro game here. Nice, nice to be back, of course, as always. Uh, yeah. Excited to mock draft. We have to get everybody going, man. This is summertime. We're having fun. It's a fantasy We're football show. We need the guests to feel special. I mean, Adam, this, <laughs> that's one of our big things now. We want people to come back and, you know, tune in. But we also want our, our guests to just feel like, you know, they're superstars because they usually are. <laughs> now, before we get started on this uh, mock draft, Adam actually has to join the mock draft. That would be fantastic. Uh, I, I should be in there now, I think. Are you in there now? He yep. is in there now. He is in there now. Oh, well, I have the rebuffer. We have to rebuffer some technical difficulties over here. Oh, now I see Adam. There we go. That's why I didn't make you feel special for a second, because then I had a dish on you uh, on the flip side. Of that. <laughs> I was going to say, Dan, maybe this time when you're talking about buffer, we give everybody kind of that warning that there will be some picks by sleepers, uh, bots that can be head scratchers at points. So. I've done, kind of I've done my that. best. I, I think most people who use Sleeper, and that's what we try to do these off of, because Sleeper's just, it works better with StreamYard. And, you know, just to give you guys kind of a little inside look of what we have to do behind the scenes in order to make this great production, high budget production of a show. And, and, and these are some of the things we have to, we have to go through. I've tried my best to make sure it was four benches. So the computer doesn't think it has to pick any starters in particular. Um, and it's only rookies. It's only four rounds. So I would think... We're going to get as close to a good, you know, ADP mock draft as we're possibly going to get. And we'll talk about the players that we draft, of course, throughout. And we can't, but we can't, we can't say there's no Kyle Shanahan bots out there or Detroit Lion bots out there that could just, you know, throw us curveballs. It could be a kicker at some point. Who knows? Yeah. Well, there, there's always that possibility, just like apparently there was in the real NFL draft, of course. <laughs> so let's go ahead to that screen. We got it up here. Go ahead and tune in. Let's get that. Oh, yeah, that's a much better, much better picture layout. So let's kick this thing off. I have the six pick. This is a 12-team mock draft, four rookie rounds, obviously. I did do it snake style because, well, we're not actually in a, uh, a dynasty league together. At least we're not doing this as a dynasty league together anyway. And if you did a startup rookie mock draft, you should be doing a snake style draft anyway. So some of you might be doing dynasty for the first time, especially this weekend. This should be a good uh, strategy, good little frame of reference for you guys. And again, make sure you check out my rankings on BillyFantasySports.com to kind of help you out, to give you an idea at least where guys are evaluated. But remember, 
And I always want to tell people this. You're the one to make the pick. You have to have a good feeling on the player, have a reason why you like them. We're just here to kind of give you an idea of what their value potentially should be. If you guys have any questions throughout the show or any other show that when we go live, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, hit the bell notification on there, ask questions during the live show. We'll try to get to them as we can. So let's go ahead and get the, well, I didn't actually, I didn't announce the other picks. Adam has the ninth pick in the first <coughs> and Chris has the 12th pick. So Chris is going to have a back to back here in the first and second round. I'll be curious to see what he does. All right, now let's get it started. Oh, these board shocker. No, this is I. I didn't really set this up between super flex and single quarterback. Uh, we'll just assume this is single quarterback, just for this draft purposes, guys. Just to kind of keep you in the loop there. All right, so I got the pick. I'm on the clock. We had a bunch. We had a we had a bunch of guys go off the board. We had a, uh, we had top two running backs, Bijan, Jameer Gibbs. We had three we had three receivers go off the board right away. So I'm I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this thing and Zay Flowers is real tempting. But is this a startup dynasty draft? And you know what I want to do? I want to go ahead and take my best quarterback on the board, which would be C.J. Shroud. Yes, I have him ranked ahead of Bryce Young. Yes, I have him ranked ahead of Anthony Richardson. Now, here's the thing. For you guys out there, if you follow me and you do draft C.J. Stroud in, in front of an Anthony Richardson type, I'm here to tell you that first year, it might be rough. Anthony Richardson set up to run like crazy. He might accumulate those fantasy points, and you might be feeling like you need to kick yourself. We're playing the long game here. For retrap purposes, yeah, sure. Anthony Richardson will be my number one rookie fantasy quarterback for this year. But C.J. Shroud, I'm betting on him to last longer down the road. It's still a bad Houston defense. They're going to have to put up points. I don't see them turning around that quickly. So, yes, I like C.J. Stroud as my number one quarterback i don't know if you guys care to comment on that and i'll pause the drafts to make sure the clock doesn't run out on adam no no i, I think it makes sense yeah um at, at this point and i think this is dynasty as a whole uh i i i am pro taking talent and valuing that over the situation especially early on i think that's kind of the big thing with dynasty right is you don't have to worry about the uh the players of the world that are only, we only care about because of a one-year, one-off situation. It's, I'm going to value talent above all else. I'm grading talent above all else. So if you believe that C.J. Stroud, like I do, like I think everyone on this panel does, that C.J. Stroud's the best quarterback, then he should be your quarterback one. Uh, certainly things get interesting as we've kind of viewed the quarterback position, being able to run the ball as a bit of a cheat code. So that makes Richardson enticing in some scenarios. But certainly, again, pick the best player at the position. Yeah, we know he's going to start day one. I mean, that, that's not the question here with the Houston Texans at all. So and we're going to resume the draft. Adam gave his analysis, and he can give us his pick. Chris, what's your take on, on C.J. Stroud as the number one rookie quarterback right now over St. Anthony Richardson or over even, say, a Bryce Young? Yeah, so initially I had you know selected number two pick, and that was where I was thought you know, we were going to be going in the sense because you know this, most times you want a quarterback. I know a lot of people – think you wait on quarterback but usually in dynasty you want to kind of make sure you you know get your hands on a good one so i think cj Stroud was going to be that number two pick for me actually and i kind of debate with people talk about anthony richardson i think he's probably the guy that you think has most impact right now um and a guy who people are you know talking about the ceiling and and what he can possibly do but i also look at cj stroud and i think i see a lot of you know similar skill sets to Tua tagaloa and if it's a system is going to be similar to what he's doing in miami then why can't C.J. Stroud eventually be the guy who's thrown for 4,000, 4,500 yards or so 
those thirty touchdown passes because two was lighting it up for people. And now the Texans don't have a you know Tyree Kill. They do have cast base coming ahead. They do have some weapons that they kind of added. And I think that overall the system fits his skill set pretty well. So I, I like him long term. Like you said, we're talking more about immediate return. But I think there's a good chance that you know we're quite scratching our head in two three years and Anthony Richardson really the guy in the Colts. Well, and Houston has a bunch of untapped uh, prospects when you talk about weapons. I mean, John Mechie's, you know, battling back from cancer. Sounds like he's going to be back this year. That's awesome to hear. Chris O'Clock will be on for you. And we have, you know, they drafted Tank Dell. But apparently, C.J. Stroud wanted Tank Dell personally. So that'll be interesting to see how that turns out. They have Dalton Schultz to kind of help be a safety blanket. So there's some weapons there to kind of get excited about. So that's why I have C.J. Stroud number one and just kind of, don't worry, guys. Fair that ship. It might be rocky to start off at first. You might see Richardson running for a bunch of touchdowns, and you're sitting here scratching your head why. Longevity, longevity, longevity when it comes to Dynasty Leagues. Okay, let's go to Adam's pick. He took Zach Charbonnet. He took my boy, who I loved, until the Seattle Seahawks drafted him and paired him up with Kenneth Walker just to give me a freaking headache. But, Adam, why'd you go with Zach Charbonnet there with the number one and nine, the 1.9 pick overall there? Exactly what I preach with Stroud. I, I am a firm believer that it, it is talent over situation uh, when it comes to dynasty. So for me, that pick was all between a Kane and Charbonnet. Miller has, uh, you know, probably the better situation year one, but I'm way more interested in either of those guys' talents. So that's kind of the direction that I wanted to go. Uh, and for a one quarterback, uh, I, I just wasn't super, super concerned about the quarterback position. Uh, you know, they want to be loaded at running back if, if we're playing with one. QB. Do we know, and this is my fault, I should probably have done the research on this. Now, I've heard broadcast pronounce it A-Chain. I have you idea. say A-Cane. You don't, we don't know. <laughs> do, we, do we know the correct? None of us know the correct, uh, correct pronunciation. I watch film with the sound off. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's great homework by us. I've heard, I have heard in broadcast A-Chain. I, I, that, that's the way yeah, I have heard it in broadcast, so I'm going to go off of that, even though college guys seem to get it wrong all the time. I can't argue with your whole idea on Zach Charbonnet, just the talent outwinning the situation, and that's generally how I go, but in this situation, I think Kenneth Walker is just as talented. Now, I think the question we have to ask ourselves with Zach Charbonnet when trying to figure out what is his value exactly what do we think this tandem is going to be? Do we think this is a Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt-esque tandem? If we do, then we don't really care that these guys are paired up together. There'll be a 1A, 1B situation. Both guys can easily finish inside the top 24. But then I look at Nick Chubb, and I look at Kareem Hunt, and I look what it took to put those guys in that position. It took a lot of volume. Is Seattle suddenly going to be that run first or that balanced even when they just drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba, and they have DK Metcalf, they have Tyler Lockett, they have Geno off of a surprise season? That's why I battle back and forth with this whole thing. Chris, what do you make of all this? Yeah, for myself, I think that you're going to see a split that's going to be similar to what you said, the Nick Chubb, Cream Hunt. Just maybe the roles people are, you know, body size might kind of throw people off. But I think Charbonnet is going to be the Cream Hunt, and I think that you're going to see the Chubb be the walker. And where I see the volume is, Dan, that you're going to have a chance for this team. You know, Seattle has always historically liked to high rotate their backs since Marshawn Lynch. That's been their MO in a sense. They were always, you know, Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, they were pairing up, you know, players constantly. And I think what they want to do is get both ties touches. And what you're going to see with those weapons you talked about, it's a lot of light fronts. It's a lot of light fronts. The Kenneth Walkers of the world and, you know, uh, Charbonnet, they can get this set of getting three and a half, four yards per carry. They're getting five, six yards per carry. 
suddenly those yards start piling up and then now you can get your points and you don't have necessarily 30 touches you know to get them so i think that's where you can see it and also just with the weapons in general you're going to see an opportunity to score touchdowns so i think there is some value for both those guys both in standard and dynasty i think this is at least an Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon situation where both guys finish inside the top 36. It just might be a bit feast or famine here and there. But ultimately, Zach Charbonnet, I love. And I'm going to throw this out there. Even though as much as I love Kenneth Walker, Charbonnet is a better prospect as a pass catcher and pass protector. So I'd be curious to see if maybe he doesn't edge out Walker in that some sort of fashion, at least in that standpoint, which we know when you get the targets, that's more valuable than those carries too. Chris, are you going to say something? I'm sorry if I cut you off. No, no, it's okay. I was just going to say, we saw at the end of the season, you know, when Rashad Penny would, before he got hurt last year, in the previous season, he was kind of the you know, quote-unquote bell cow, was lighting up fantasy-wise, but they were still rotating J.D. McKissick's in, they were still rotating the Kenneth, um, DJ Dallas's in, they were still trying to involve those different guys, so if you just kind of so- consolidate between three backs and only have a two, I think that's where the value is, because Seattle historically kind of messes it up when they go three, and I think if they go two, you're good. Just uh, for the record here, because we're going to talk about it in a little while, I did move Charbonnet down one spot in my rookie rankings because he is still paired up with Kenneth Walker, and we'll talk about who I did move ahead of him in a little while later. But, Chris, let's get to your picks here. Now we got to get to your first. You had you had back-to-back picks. You went two quarterbacks. Very interesting in a one-quarterback league, but, hey, it's dynasty. need assets. You went Anthony Richardson, and you came back with that in the second round. Remember, this is a startup rookie mock draft, so therefore it is a snake. So you had the first pick in the second round. You went with Hendon Hooker and Anthony Richardson. Walk me through that. Yeah, so for myself, you know, I don't I don't just kind of talk about the quarterback position. I actually back it when I do my drafts, and I think it's one of the most important positions, similar to the NFL, where there's, you know, there's a lot of value throughout, but there's the guys who are the top-tier guys. And if you can get your hand on a top-tier opportunity, you want to have that, I think. And you also have what I'm looking for is upside. You know, we talked about Richardson's value right now, and maybe he does wind up being the next thing. But I also know Hayden Hooker is a guy who I think is actually one of the best quarterbacks in this draft, and I think he's going to make people regret their situations a lot of not taking him. And when you look at the opportunity in Detroit, I think he's a bigger, faster, stronger Jared Goff, and give him that offense. I love what he can do long-term. So – for myself, I'm trying to lock down that quarterback position. I'm trying to get guys that I think have upside, but also, like I said, if I can get a guy who can get over the yards and rush around like Hayden Hooker, but also Richardson, who can maybe you know, rush the machine, I want to take advantage. Can't disagree with that whatsoever. Again, with dynasty quarterbacks, they are always major assets, if nothing else, because it's so hard to get a good one when you need one. I mean, you guys load up at the running back and wide receiver and tight end positions as much as you humanly can. You wait at quarterback, and then they say, you know, you're losing to the guy who's got Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes all the time, need to make that move. So they're always assets, they're always developments, and they're always good investments. They're like investment in a house. They're more long-term than the other positions, so you can't go wrong there. Go and, and real quick, I was like, I, I'm also trying to emulate my new uh, hero, Howie Roseman, where he said a couple of years ago he wants to be a quarterback factory. That's what I want my fantasy team to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see. They, did you see that they actually signed uh, Tanner McKee to a, a four-year deal? I don't know if I've ever seen an undrafted rookie get, get signed to a four-year deal before. Okay. Well, he wasn't undrafted. He got drafted. Oh, excuse me. You're right. It was towards the very tail end of the draft, but still four years. I don't, you don't see guys that late getting, getting signed for four years. Well, they also, but they also to the undrafted point, they signed Carson strong last year to the highest contract for undrafted quarterback last year. So they're not afraid to take swings when they think it's a guy 
that they like. And as you talked about, quarterbacks have value. Quarterbacks do have value. All right, so Chris walked us through why he went those top picks. Let's skip on down to the second round, and we got Adam LaRue taking Josh Downs. So walk me through Josh Downs here. Pretty exciting prospect, but was this a good landing spot? No, not necessarily, but it's, again, same as what Chris just said, same as what I've been harping this entire time. I'm practicing what I preach, and I'm taking talent over situation. Uh, to me, of pretty much anyone that went after him at the receiver position, at the running back position, at the tight end position, uh, I think he was the best talent um, you know, that I could have gone with. I've, of course, I was hoping Rasheed Rice fell to me at that spot. But, uh, you know, again, Josh Downs, to me, was the best on the board as far as a talent goes. I love his, his prospect profile. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised he fell as far as he did, candidly. I think he was better than some of the receivers, including the one that went after him uh, in this draft. Uh, that went before him in the NFL draft. Uh, so for me, I, I'm just taking the talent. Uh, you know, it may not have kind of like what you were saying with Stroud, may not have the immediate return, uh, but there's been a lot of movement in young players on rookie contracts as of late in the NFL. So uh, if the situation doesn't work out, I think the talent prevails and whether it's in Indy or somewhere else. Yeah, I think the intriguing part with Josh Downs, are you a believer in Anthony Richardson or are you not? Because when it comes to playing time, Downs should see playing time. They got rid of Paris Campbell. He can slip right into what they wanted Campbell to be, which is a explosive slot receiver. You already have Michael Pittman there on the outside. Of course, you always have the rotating carousel that is the Colts tight end group. How about them? You're a Colts family. Can we talk about that real quick? How about them drafting Will Mallory on top of everything else? Like, just way to kill my deep sleeper, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's valuing that position. I think they want to be a big team. I think they want to have probably two blocking tight ends and two tight ends that are more uh, pass-oriented. So probably Granson and Mallory are those pass-oriented guys and uh, Jelani Woods and probably Mo. Uh, or maybe Ogletree sneaks in there, depending on where they, they feel uh, Jelani Woods is in that process. But I think that they kind of want to have two of each. I think that's where they're they're headed. Yeah, and no fantasy assets whatsoever. So we'll be curious to see what happens with Josh Downs. We can fast forward to my pick, and this was the guy that I put one spot ahead of Zach Charbonnet. I already liked his talent, but his landing spot was oh so good. Roshan Johnson going to the Chicago Bears. Why do I like this so much, you ask? And when they have Cleo Herbert and they have Donta Foreman, and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, well, they're already going to talk about being a rotation. Maybe this is a three-man rotation. Maybe it is the first few weeks. But Roshan Johnson steps right into a situation where he is hands down, unquestioned, the best pass protector of that group. And what do they need? They don't need more guys who are only first and second down between the tackles and the goal line. They need guys in the passing game who can be trusted out there on third downs, who are going to be needed out there in two-minute drills because Chicago still doesn't strike me as a team that's going to be a playoff caliber type of team have to come back from behind pretty often. They need safety blankets for Justin Fields. That should be Roshan Johnson, and I'll put him up there against Dante Foreman, against Khalil Herbert as far as his talent between the tackles and his vision and his power. He's 6'2", 220, and everything else. I've already been touting him as being one of the – guys who loves him to begin with and had him ranked number four before the draft process even underwent in the NFL draft. So uh, yes, I'm huge on Roshan Johnson. Love getting here. I have been getting him consistently in this area, which is, you know, around the second round, seventh pick, sixth pick, eighth pick in the drafts that I've been so far. I've, this has been an automatic Roshan Johnson pick for me. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah. I think uh, for my, go ahead, Adam. 
Uh, no, I don't disagree. Other than Mims, I think he would probably be about the top of my board uh, here as well. So I, I definitely don't uh, dislike the pick. I was, just gonna, I was just going to say, in a full point PPR, which is where the, uh, the scoring seems to be, I think that's a, a good move because you have a guy who's going to be involved. It's going to be like a Swiss Army knife. Um, I think the comp I have in my head with like Jalen Samuels a couple years ago, where Jalen Samuels was a guy who came out, could do a little bit of everything, use him at fullback, use him at halfback, use him at tight end. You could line him up different places. And that's one of the reasons I heard that you know, the Bears were so high on Roshan Johnson. So there's value there, whether it's kind of filling in the gaps between those players you talked about. And as you talked about, you know, those guys are locked up long term. So you can easily kind of slide if he shows off. I, 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 I tweeted this out and I'm sticking with it. Mark my words, come early-ish September, Roshan Johnson will be the starting running back of the Chicago Bears team. He is going to surprise people with that talent. I'm telling you that right now. All right, so we fast forward through the rest of the second round and the beginning of the third round. We get back to my pick, and I decided, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and give my shiny new quarterback his favorite toy, just like the Houston Texans did in the actual NFL draft, and I went ahead and took Tank Dell. I kind of mentioned a little bit when we talked about C.J. Shroud, the talent for weaponry in Houston is wide open. They're just begging for somebody to step up. C.J. Stroud has already made it clear that he has a special want and desire for Tank Dell to potentially be that guy, at least as far as the safety blanket is concerned. Now, this isn't a uh, take-the-top-off, electrocute, you know, be a, be a big play type of guy, but this is a guy who runs option routes, crisp routes, gets a natural separation very quick. He had more draft capital than I was expecting him to have here, and he was already kind of up on my board. He was inside my top 10. I believe I had him at 8. Before the NFL draft, I've moved him up a couple of spots since then because we don't know what John Mechie is going to be able to be. We don't know what Xavier Hutchin is going to be able to be. We don't necessarily know what Tank Dell is going to be, but I do have an idea of what role he's going to be in, and that's going to be that safety blanket slot playing role. I like Tank Dell. I'm going to roll the dice on him, especially in the third round of a rookie draft, and pair him up with my dynasty quarterback to begin with. What do we think about Tank Dell and the Houston Texans here? I liked him. He was he was who I was hoping for at uh, my pick. Uh, it, it, yeah, I literally my cue was Dell, then Levis, then Hyatt. Uh, you know, so yeah, I'm all in on Dell. I think he's hit a fantastic landing spot. I already liked the talent, which makes the landing spot important. Uh, and, and he's going to grow with a good young quarterback. So excited to watch him. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Tank Dell fan overall. Look. I think there's a lot of comparisons for certain players types and, you know, there's smaller guys who aren't necessarily my favorites all the time, but this guy's a tough guy. He makes the tough, tough catches. He's willing to get, through. and when you look at what he can do with the field and the offense, people might know, but look what the Dolphins have, like a Tyree kill and Jalen Wallow. They're not blocking nobody. They're smaller dudes, but they can run crosses. They can get deep. Tank Dell can do things outside just, you know, being just that slot receiver. But I agree with you, Dan, being that slot receiver gives him immediate value as well. And and we have, I think we all agree uh, a pretty quick pathway to playing time <laughs> with the lack of veteran. Presence. I think I think he's a starter one big week one no doubt. I, I I tend to agree. They did they they weren't planning on playing Mechie in the slot per se, so that's where I think the key is for him. I think that's wide open for him to take that. Yeah, that, that's what I'm looking at the value, there. especially in the third round to get a guy who's probably going to start day one. It's hard to do, so I like the value there. Let's fast forward to Adam's pick, and Adam. 
The guy you took here, he was the one I was going back and forth with about Tank Dell. Which one do I want to take? But ultimately, I hate Daniel Jones so much. That's been my brand. I couldn't start taking his weapons now. So you went with Jalen Hyatt. Why'd you do that? Yeah, no, again, those were the three that I kind of had in mind. I took the one that was left. Um, I I, I think that this is a really good receiver. Uh, Not just fast, but he is definitely very fast. Uh, I don't think that he... I don't think that Daniel Jones has had this type of weapon before, maybe in Slayton, uh, but a guy who is fast, definitely athletic, but not the kind that is necessarily as raw as the other ones have been, right? Like, I, I don't want to use Kadarius Tony down the field. I want to just bubble screen, let you make a play, like not going to try to make you run routes or anything crazy. Uh, and I, I think the same uh, is the case for me when it comes to Wandale Robinson as well. But Jalen Hyatt, to me, feels much more like a true wide receiver. There's certainly some routes he could get better at. Uh, but I, I think he understands spacing, and I think that alone sets him apart from those other two. Uh, so for me, yeah, I, I think he's a really good fit. He might have an uphill battle to beat out a Slayton or a Campbell, although I the staff hasn't seemed to be super interested in Slayton. Uh, and seem to want to play their guys when they can. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Jalen Hyatt take over rather quickly in this offense. Yeah, let's be real. It was pretty clear last year that Slayton was only playing because they had no other <laughs> other player to go to, like playing by default basically last season. Like They didn't want any part of him, even though he was the only guy being productive down the field. It didn't make any sense to me, but it, it seemed pretty clear. They were not mm-hmm. big Darius Slayton fans. So I don't know if it'll take all that long as long as Hyatt is showing the promise that he showed uh, in Tennessee Chris, what do you what do you make of the Jalen Hyatt pick here, the third round, ninth pick overall? Well, first comment on Darius Slayton. Why did he resign back with the Giants? To your point, Dan, like if the guy they made, I would, well, so I'm, obviously they want you, and I would love to see him so many of the other places and other rosters. But we also I don't know what the interest level was from other teams either. So true. Um, I would have took my chances. Um, <laughs> I think that you know we talked about this on the Belly Up Live this past week, and we were discussing about Jalen Hyatt. And what I think is going to be easy transition, like gives me confidence for him, is well, I don't necessarily love Ryan Dable always. I think he's got, he's got a, a long-standing record of using these kind of receivers who doesn't get on the line. He gets guys, he does punch formations, he does different things so guys can get their hands on people. And people are always kind of mimicking and making fun of Tennessee's offense as a gimmicky, which is by the way going to be the future of offenses soon. Um, I think that what you see is the guy who's going to be able to kind of transition because he's not going to be asked to run, you know, a crazy route tree. Look what Stefan Diggs does. Look what Gabe Davis ran. Look what Isaiah McKenzie did. So you look at different kind of player types where you, you can see a little bit of all his skill sets with all those guys, not saying, you know, as big as Gabe Davis, but he can take the top off of anybody. He's got a quickness like Stefan Diggs does. And he's the little guy. So but he has a place where I think through all through the lineup in a sense where he's one of the guys who won't get kind of excluded from the game plan. Well, I think the other guys can easily do so. I mean, I agree, but what about, look at Daniel Jones. This guy is terrible down the field, and that's what Hyatt really needs for fantasy football purposes. Now, there is this part separation, of Dan. I think that's the big thing for me. Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I was going to lead with that with saying there's this, I want to say small part of me, but honestly, a part of me that would be willing to take a, a long shot bet, let's say, if it was available in sports books, where... If we could bet on the Giants finishing as the you know, a bottom three team in the NFL next year, I don't think that's too far-fetched. And even though they just gave them a $40 million contract, they can still get out of it after the second season. Would it be all that surprising if they wound up moving off Daniel Jones after a year to get a quarterback on a rookie contract? I don't know. But I think if I have Jalen Hyatt, that's certainly what I would be hoping for because I don't think it's a great fit. 
Well, I don't think he's going to be throwing bombs to him. So if that's the part you're trying to get to, I mean, I, I absolutely don't think this is going to be he's pushing the ball down the field consistently. Well, but that's we, part of Hyatt's ceiling. I mean, ideally would be part of his ceiling anyway. No, just, I I would agree. I mean, I think he may not have his reach his full potential. You know, ideally he'd be on a team like you know Patrick Mahomes for example throwing a ball would be wonderful. But I think you have a guy who's going to be able to produce in the role that he's put in. And and you look at what Brandon Cooks did for Houston, for example. You look at different guys who that have been in through the system where he can. Brian Dable has an opportunity to get, to get these guys into space. He's able to get these guys off of hands off of people. So it won't necessarily be you're just running goes. You're running a lot of crosses, running a lot of easier patterns underneath where you can use your separation speed. And we know Daniel Jones will definitely check the ball down. So if you have someone like Aaron Waller, who's going to be number one receiver, they're all saying as long as he's healthy, stretching the seam, it's easier for a younger guy to kind of come underneath and catch something and make something happen. Because I think the narrative is John Hallett just catches the ball and falls down. I think that's not very either. Well, yeah, we, we don't really know. I mean, he, because he catches the ball, he runs a really long, long way. Uh, <laughs> Chris, let's talk about your pick. I mean, you took his his teammate, Cedric Tillman, and you backed that up with uh, Eric Gray. I kind of like the Eric Gray pick in the fourth round, given his situation. So walk me th- through those two picks there back-to-back. Yeah, well, first of all, I think his teammate's more talented than Jalen Hyde. As much as I seem to much love Jalen Hyde, I think he's a good, really good player. But I think Tillman's a guy who can be a, a true one-in out there, um, if not a Gabe Davis type. Um, a guy who I think can take the top off, a guy who's physical, he can make separation. And when you look at Watson has kind of in place, he's got a guy, he's got a clear role to kind of take that Amari Cooper role, I think, down the road. Amari Cooper isn't getting any younger. His contract's going to continue to be a, an issue moving forward. And where you know Cleveland paying Deshaun Watson all that money, he's got to continue to move money around. So I think there's an opportunity for Tillman to pay with Cooper now, but also, you know, maybe for replace him moving in the future. And I'm also kind of betting Deshaun Watson won't be as horrible as he was last year with all the weapons he has and a really good offensive line. So I think this is a chance for Cedric Tillman to kind of show what he can do. And people kind of forgot about this last year. Well, I'll, I'll add to that. Even if you want to look past, and this is Dynasty and his third round rookie receiver you're taking here, we can look past this year for the value here. There's a real chance they could move off of Amari Cooper. And Cedric Tillman has that very similar type of skill set. It's not unfathomable to think if he's able to show that he's back and healthy from his injury and show what he could have been, which frankly could have been a at least a high second rounder, potentially even a low end first round NFL player had he been able to stay healthy. I'm with you on that. He could potentially slide into that role. Uh, so past 2023, I think is where his, his, his value is potentially quite tantalizing. And so talking about value, that's tantalizing. That's why I went with my second pick with Eric Gray. I look at his situation in New York, and while I don't disagree or, or agree with you that New York might not be good as they were last year, or Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback at all, I was extremely impressed with what they have at the offensive line when they landed John Michael Schmitz as their center. You pair that with Neil, and you pair that with, with um, the Jackson kid. They have one of the better offensive lines right now in the NFL if you look at what they have. And I'm a big proponent. If you have three good offensive linemen, you're doing something that stays in the NFL. So – with Saquon Barkley's situation where we, he's got a one-year extension, he's got a history of being injured, it's an opportunity that Eric Gray could be a guy who might strike early if he gets a chance to be out there, and a guy who might be replacing Saquon Barkley down the road if that team does tank or just kind of moves on from Saquon after the end of this year. Um, I think he's got a chance to kind of excel in both roles, guy who can actually play all three downs. And as an opportunity, even though he's a smaller guy, I think he's much tougher than this guy, but you saw Devin Singletary get his chance in Buffalo with a Brian Dable. So I think Eric Gray, if he gets on the field, gets a chance to show what he can do. I think he's going to be a guy that's hard to get off the field. 
Well, and he's the type of guy. And I'm going to rip a playbook out of a out of a, or I should say, I'm going to rip a page out of Adam's playbook here, which is find the value and trade it away. As soon as Eric Gray is assuming Saquon Barkley does have his injury history creep back up on him, as soon as he gets a few starts under his belt and starts performing some fantasy value as a fourth round rookie you should be able to flip him. And I don't really buy an Eric Gray as a long-term prospect, but I do see a wave, let's say, coming in his near future where he could take the fantasy, especially dynasty by storm a little bit, make a name for himself, and you could sell high potentially again using assets as part of your strategy when looking at these rookie mock drafts. Yeah, man, I look at him a little higher than that because I do think he's got value. The guy can pass protect, the guy can catch the ball. So I, I think once he gets a chance, he's going to get a, a shot to kind of at least split some time out there. Um, and that's where I do think, you know, maybe higher than Eric Gray is, but I don't disagree with you. If you have an opportunity to move him for great value, then you do so as well. But running backs. All right. So let's skip ahead to Adam's pick where he took Sean Tucker. Yeah. I, I mean, I think this is a guy that if that hot heart issue issue didn't crop up when it did, I mean, the timing was just kind of awful for him. Uh, he would have gone a lot higher. And he landed in a spot that I think is really interesting. So in the fourth round, I'm kind of willing to take the outside shot uh, that in Tampa Bay, he's able to, you know, get his stuff cleared out. He's going to be okay. They were able to, they were willing to give him guaranteed money. So clearly Tampa Bay is confident that that's the case. Uh, And this is a guy again, who's talent wise on tape. I liked more than some of the backs that were going in the third round of this mock draft. I, I think that this is clearly just a health thing primarily uh, one of the best first steps uh, in this draft. I mean, he, he gets going very quick. Uh, and for his size, I think he, he plays through uh, contact a lot better than one would expect. So uh, I'm excited for him. And further, this is one where it's not just talent, but the situation comes into a play a, a bit. Uh, and, and we're just in the fourth round at this point. I think you kind of have to take upside shots. Candidly, this running back situation in Tampa Bay stinks. I don't like really any of these guys. Uh, so I, I'm going to take a chance on him and, you know, see, see what happens. I mean, a lot of fourth round picks aren't really making the roster by year two. So I'd rather just take my shot and kind of hope for the best than, uh, you know, kind of waste it on someone I'm going to hold on to for too long, but never plays. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that. I'm not a big Sean Tucker fan, but you kind of said it best. There is a fourth round pick and there's a pathway here because, as much as I am invested in Rashad White and will never root for Sean Tucker to do anything as a result to that, uh, we don't know exactly what Rashad White is as a full-time starter. We haven't seen that just yet. So there is some question there. And then, of course, when it comes to Sean Tucker, with the rest of the Tampa Bay backfield, Chase Edmonds, I think hit the potential ceiling for him as that ship has sailed. We pretty much know what he is now. That's a backup running back. Keyshawn Vaughn was never able to see the field uh, much in his time, even when there were seemingly opportunities available for him to get in some extra playing time. So I can't argue with taking the shot with a guy with Sean Tucker who did profile coming into the NFL draft as a guy who thought when healthy could be a three down back. So I can't argue with that. I don't see anything special when it comes to Sean Tucker. I'm very much rooting for Rashad White. So that's just my personal uh, in my personal needs coming out to attack you as far as that goes. <laughs> Chris, what do you what, what do you make of Sean Tucker here? I'm not necessarily a huge fan of. Uh as a prospect wise, but what I will say is the guy can handle the early down roll. I question whether he can be a three down guy. I don't really see a guy who has great pass protection skills or a guy who's necessarily catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, but I do think a guy who's shown you he can carry the load and be a banger 
And what the what you're seeing the Colts, you know, the Colts, the Buccaneers trying to do is kind of be a more physical team. Todd Bowles has made an emphasis that they want to really kind of run the ball at, and maybe hide their quarterbacks, which they need to. Um, but I think that's where you're going to see an opportunity for a guy that mean, you still have really good receivers in Tampa Bay, so you can't just you know, ignore them. He might see some lighter boxes. We've seen different guys be productive for Tampa Bay over the, la- over the years. So I think he's got has a chance to be the early down guy because they really don't have a clear guy on their role that really fits that role. While Rashad White's being kind of forced into that, I don't really think that's his skill set. We'll have to see. We'll have to find out. We can fast forward to my pick of the fourth round here, and that was A.T. Perry. So I, I did like the talent coming in as an NFL draft prospect. One of the bigger body wide receivers you were going to find. One of the true guys could play the X spot. Should be a red zone target. Does the dirty work. Does do a good job blocking. Is a long strider and has decent hips. I think he will be able to develop a route tree. He goes to the New Orleans Saints. I think it's a pretty good landing spot. Somebody has to emerge opposite of Chris Olave. And while I know Mike Thomas is still going to try to give it another shot, I feel like at this point, no one can have any confidence that this guy can play more than a handful of games in a season before going down with some sort of soft tissue injury. Open then the door for a guy like A.T. Perry, a similar body type who could play a similar type of role. And I think there's an opportunity for him here with Derek Carr, given the, frankly, lack of weapons, especially on the outside. So give me a guy I had rated highly. I had him inside my top 10 uh, before the NFL draft. I did drop him down a few spots given the draft capitals. I was a little surprised at how late in the NFL draft that he went. But I still like the situation he winds up in with the opportunity he could have what do we feel like with at at perry here in the fourth round going to new orleans saints i'm just gonna jump in real quick adam because dan you just said it It was criminal it's it's criminal that where he got drafted i went off on about this on this past, this past week's show on belly up live i cannot i cannot fathom kickers and punters and tight ends i've never heard and won't be heard of again and at perry is going to be a guy who's going to regret that i i'm with you i think he's got an amazing landing spot i'm glad the saints were able to get him He's got a chance to kind of shine. And then Michael Thomas can be a guy who can be healthy this year, and he still has a chance because Michael Thomas can move around. And he's a guy that you can move in a slot. You can move him different places in the formations. And I think as a result, A.T. Perry is one of those guys with Chris Olave that they can kind of push They can push the corners out. They can open up different things. And I think he's going to have a role. And in moving on from the tight end the way that they did, I know Jawan Johnson is still going to be there, but A.T. Perry has an opportunity to be utilized in the red zone as well. So, and then down the road, similar to such a Timlin's conversation, you have a guy who could be the heir apparent to Michael Thomas if he does or doesn't you know, ever take his form again. So I think A.T. Perry is not a guy who's going to go anywhere anytime soon. I think it's a guy who has a, was really productive in college, has knocks. I'm not really sure why people are just trying to you know, downplay a guy who's six foot three and go up and get it and ran a four four nine. So uh, it's not like he's not athletic. And I think that profiles really well in this offense. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think he was a he's a great pick here. He's one of the guys that I was between uh, with Sean Tucker. Ultimately, I had already taken two receivers, and that was part of it. And the other guys were Deuce Vaughn, Dwayne McBride, uh, and neither of those went. So hopefully, you know, if this was a league, I'd go grit those guys on waiver and be pretty happy. But uh, no, A.T. Perry was, again, I, I agree with your sentiment, Chris. Insane to me. So, even at the receiver position, some of the guys he went behind, but especially some of the guys at the other positions, um, you know, blows my mind that he went as late as he did. I think he's a real talent. And to get that in the late fourth again, I, similar to kind of what I felt about all of our fourth round picks, um, you know, I, just get a shot as you can in the fourth round. 
Can, can I just say, like I said, we, we had the NFL draft coverage last week where we did the first three rounds. And I know every draft is unpredictable to some degree, but I found myself just wanting to bang my head against the wall pretty consistently. As soon as we, especially as soon as we got past like the second round, I was just sitting there like mind blown from multiple teams, what we were seeing in those middle round picks. And I know this wasn't particularly a very strong draft, but this was to be a draft that had value and certain teams just ran away with it. And others just like totally whiffed the boat. And I don't know if they even came out with a single good prospect in some cases, like San Francisco, for instance, I don't know if they came out with a single good prospect in that draft. So we gave our belly flops to Dan this past week. And we kind of talked about teams that, you know, Overall, we were very impressed that most teams did pretty good, at least got something that was you know, of value, and we were kind of impressed overall that people had good grades. But then there was one team that kind of jumped out, the 49ers, where you're absolutely right. It was just, what did you do to upgrade your team? And there's some other questionable teams we kind of brought up, too, that we looked at. Like you, it's To your point, there was an emphasis on going at tight ends when you saw guys who – haven't really even produced in college anytime recently or splitting time in college at tight end. And they're going above some of the receivers and some of the other players on the board, some of the defensive guys. And it was just mind boggling. So I'm, I, I do think that, you know, overall some teams just got really lucky in some senses where they just fell value, just landed in their lap. I mean, jail high going in a third round is ridiculous. So yeah. yeah, I'm with you. I wanted to bang my head against the wall a lot of times watching the draft as well. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were talking about Jalen Hyatt in the first round. <laughs> like, when the Chiefs had that last pick, I wanted it to be Jalen Hyatt so so bad. Well, I will say I was very happy when they went with Rashi Rice because that was somebody I was hoping to oh, get yeah. some loves. So that, that made me very excited there. And he goes in the second round here. Let me bring that up. And Chris, we'll get we'll get back to you in a second. Rashi Rice has been going in the second round of rookie mock drafts mm-hmm. pretty consistently, not going in the first round at all in twelve teamers so far. And I'm very interested by that because, well, first of all, it's great because I've been picking him up in the drafts that I've been in that I get him in the second round. And I know that there's this stigma of rookie wide receivers for Andy Reid, but when you look at the roster on that team, I don't see a reason why he doesn't start because Rasheed Rice is going to be able to probably be their best perimeter wide receiver day one. I mean, what am I missing here? Is it the rookie thing? I, I guess so, yeah. For myself, I mean, I, I think it's people just not really understanding how good this player is and what he can actually bring to the table. Look, you... They've already come out and talked about the GM or assistant GM, I should say, was talking about using him as Juju Smith-Schuster role. So you saw Juju kind of be featured as that guy underneath the quick routes. And this guy basically turns into a running back and catches the ball. But he can run patterns. He can do different things. And the thing I like, and people are going to, you know, what kind of offense did he run? It's SMU's offense, and what they do formation is not much different than Kansas City does. So what they're going to ask him to do won't be anything, you know, incredible. But his skill set is something that Patrick Mahomes has not played with, I don't think, in the pros yet. He can go get the ball. He's got strong hands, and he can high point it. He's got, he had the highest vertical leap of all the receivers in his past combine. And what I want people to tell me is what he can't do. It's a, it, to me, it's just another guy where I just think, you know, even as late as he went necessarily in the second round, I, I think this guy's a star. So I'm excited to see him in Kansas City's offense, and I'm with you, Dan. He should be the first round in my yeah, that was, that was just, it was just one of the guys that we didn't draft that I, I wanted to talk about. One other guy I want to talk about, and then we'll grade each other's drafts and call it, call it a show. Uh, Marvin Mims. I loved Marvin Mims coming in the NFL draft class, and I, I don't think he landed in a bad situation with Denver because 
of the turnover that potentially could be coming if they decide not to keep Jerry Judy. Maybe they decide to move on from Cortland Sutton after this year. But for 2023, it feels kind of shot for Marvin Mims. You still have Tim Patrick coming back, and we don't know if Russell Wilson can rebound, but then we have to go back and look at Russell Wilson. They're kind of attached to Sean Payton, no Sean Payton. They're still kind of attached to Russell Wilson past this season. So what do you guys feel about Marvin Mims? Because I think he's actually a hell of a wide receiver with a lot of upside. I just don't know if he's going to be able to flourish necessarily if certain things don't start checking off in the right direction. Yeah, that's my concern with Marvin Mims. I, I like the talent. as a guy I like, loved in Oklahoma, especially two years ago. Um, I think when you look at a guy who can, you know, I don't want to say he's a Sean Jackson, but can be a guy who can kind of have the Sean Jackson-esque impact. He has that. The problem you talked about is what he's got in front of him in Denver. And the problem with that also is Denver made a conscious effort to be a play-action team. You see them try to beef up an offensive line. They added tight ends. They traded for Troutman. They're going to do a lot of two tight end sets. So when you start doing the numbers, where does he get into the formations enough to be consistent? So I'm with you. I don't think Jerry Jew is going to go anywhere time soon. If he's healthy in Denver, they're not going to be able to move on from that guy because I still think he can, he's a star in the making. It's just a matter of him getting healthy. And then Cortland Sutton, yeah, they can move on from him, but you're still going to have the issue of are you the primary guy and are you going to be somebody who's going to be heavily involved? I, I hope he can be. I just worry sometimes. We've seen guys that have athletic process like or skill sets like he does. In a Sean Payton offense, it's kind of pigeonholed where your job is just to kind of open up everything underneath. You run, you run the goes, you run different things. If he gets the Brandon Cooks role, it could be fantastic. That's where you kind of see where you know the cards unfold, so to speak, moving forward. What's your take, Adam? Yeah, I I like Marvin Mims. I I mean, just to echo the sentiment of you guys, like the situation isn't necessarily bad. Actually, I think the upside, the ceiling is about as good as it gets. Right? This is like a, a coach that can, when he you know focuses on it utilized a player with his skill set really well. He talked about Brandon Cooks. The downside of it is that there are players ahead of him that could make it a problem. Sometimes Sean Payton can kind of put players in certain roles that, you know, don't necessarily equate the fantasy points. Um, So the floor kind of crashed out of uh, Marvin Mims with where he went. But I, I mean, I think this is same ceiling, if not a better ceiling, you know, one of the better landing spots you could have, it just, there's no floor. Um, but for a late second round pick, again, I I'm a big believer in betting on talent. Uh, I think he's more talented than guys than guys that went ahead of him specifically. I'll say a Laporta. I would take Mims over a Bigsby. I would take Mims over, um, as far as just straight up talent. And in some situations, Certainly situation can matter. I definitely think within tiers, it should be a tiebreaker. You don't ignore it entirely, but Mims, I would have a tier above either of those guys personally. So I, I just think it's believing in talent and, and going for it. Cause he's a talented player. 100% there. And Trey Tucker. Should be what? And, so, and Trey Tucker. He's better than Trey Tucker as well. The Raiders <laughs> receiver. <laughs> Talk about a uh, a pick that means absolutely nothing in the third <laughs> round. There's nothing's going to come of it. Raiders doing Raider-like things, though. Josh Daniels doing Josh McDaniel-like things. We should never doubt that ever. Okay, guys. We have our, our drafts. We have our four rookies each. So let's go ahead and grade each other. I got CJ Stroud the first, Roshan in the second, Tank Dell in the third, A.T. Perry in the fourth. Adam got Zach Charbonnet in the first, Josh Downs. In the second, Jalen Hyatt in the third, Sean Tucker in the fourth, and Chris Went, Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, Cedric Tillman, 
and Eric Gray. So without picking your own, we'll start with Adam because he's the guest. Who is your favorite draft here? Um, I think, and it is splitting hairs, but I do think I'm going to go yours. I think Tank Dell in the third is an absolute steal. Uh, I, I think getting anyone really that's going to have kind of instant impact and has the talent to be a long-term player in the, you know, in the league on uh, the third uh, is just fantastic value uh, as well as getting the best quarterback from a long-term perspective. Although Richardson, you know, surely uh, will, will probably have some early season success and, you know, he's got the great upsides. So certainly uh, Chris, you got a shot there, uh, but Stroud was my QB one. So, like that, like the Tank Dell pick. And A.T. Perry in the back half of the fourth feels like a steal to me. So uh, I'm all for it. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Chris, let's go with you. Not picking your own. Which of me and Adam was your favorite draft? I was looking at it. And I like Adam's upside and the receivers he has. I just don't necessarily love their situations per se. You know, I do think Daniel Jones does hamper some of the Jalen high value. And Josh Downs' value, I think, does get hampered with Anthony Richardson. Um, Charbonnet is the guy splitting top back. I look at yours. I see guys. I see three definite, or I should say, I see two starters, three guys who are going to, three to four guys who are going to definitely be con- contributors. Uh, Perry's guy going to be a guy. I think he's going to be at least in four receiver sets, and if not three receiver sets for the strength scenes immediately. And Rashad Johnson, I think, is a chance that he'll be rotated in there initially. Maybe he does become the guy you talk about, but I think he's got a role for the team where he could extend it to something higher. So I think because I see the more starting guys, and as Adam talked about, CJ Stroud's my number one quarterback on my board as well, I have to go with your team. Well, thank you. Thank you, too. So I got two, which means I automatically win this thing, so thank you guys. But I got to divvy out a little coin to one of you. Uh, Chris, when you talked about Adam's draft, you kind of echoed my thoughts exactly. Adam, I love your players. I love their upside. They have tremendous up. Dion Hyatt is a great steal in the third in the third round. He could absolutely become a high flyer wide receiver that everyone loves in fantasy. You can win guys weeks, but he has the Daniel Jones factor to go with. Now his third round pick is not a bad thing, but still the Daniel Jones factor does limit his upside to some degree. Sean Tucker, we'll have to see exactly what happens. There is some upside there as well, but he's got to get back and healthy. And I question about how special he truly is. Josh Downs is another upside guy. Could be explosive. Could actually be a, a, a top slot wide receiver who can stretch the field. We don't get to see that too often anymore. A 5'9 was one of the best contested catchers. See the upside. Don't love the quarterback throwing to him. And then Zach Charbonnet loved him. Was actually my number two. Remember, I had Zach Charbonnet ranked ahead of Jameer Gibbs coming into the NFL draft because I thought he was actually a true three down complete back hate that he had to go get paired up with Kenneth Walker so it limits the idea of him being a top 12 running back like I thought he would be coming into this situation so that's when I go to Chris and I see Chris's draft of Anthony Richardson who yes tremendous upside right away year one super flex cheat code could be a top 12 guy just based on his legs alone what he gives you in the air could just be the icing on the cake Hendon Hooker a great prospect down the road we know one thing Detroit's definitely loading up on weapons for their quarterback they're not doing anything about their defense it's a fantasy football wet dream when you talk about Hendon Hooker potentially starting for them maybe as soon as 2024 because we know Jared Goff he's at his ceiling we know what he is we know he's not in the long-term plans of Detroit Lions and I liked what I saw at Hendon Hooker in Tennessee so I like that too I like Cedric Hellman's upside I like Eric Gray's situation and overall Chris's team 
I look at your rookies, Chris, and I see guys that, if nothing else, I definitely know windows of which I could trade them as assets and accumulate something back without a doubt and have, have short windows where I'll be able to sell them high. So for that reason, because I don't like some of the situations the player Adam has, I do choose Chris's draft just ever so slightly between those two. Sorry, Adam. I know you're the guest and you got the zero. My bad. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. So, guys, I hope you enjoyed it. It is rookie mock draft season. I hope everybody has a great time, especially I know people have been drafting already this week. I know there's going to be more this weekend. Startup drafts. Make sure you check out my rankings on BillFantasySports.com. We are going to take a break after this, a three-week break, a spring break for the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're going to be back June 1st. Kicking it off with the team profile series. I don't know who the guest is going to be just yet. We're going to get that all worked out, but I will have a guest for every team profile series episode that we do. And that series will carry us from June into late July, beginning of August. And we all know what that means. We'll be getting ready for the season, getting ready for those drafts, having their finalized rankings. Very exciting time. We'll have the Fantasy Football Expo. All three of us will be going again this year. We'll have our arrival at the Expo episode during August. So very excited that August is like, I don't, the NFL draft is over. It actually feels like it's kind of around the corner. I'm so excited. Uh, <laughs> and excited for this three-week break, too, because I'll be able to get some of those projections and numbers in by the time we start getting around those team profile series adam i want you to tell everybody where can we follow you at what do you guys got coming up uh, what can we look forward to yeah uh at larue adam on twitter uh, go give me a follow definitely appreciate it uh come check out chris and i on the belly up or on <laughs> yeah on the belly up fantasy live show uh every other tuesday uh 8 30 uh we'll hit every tuesday once we get into the season uh or have we have a lot of fun over there uh have a good time and, and yeah, uh, hopefully I'll have some dynasty rankings out there in the void here shortly. And that's about all I got to got to promote at the moment. Excellent. Love it. Make sure you guys go ahead and check him out on social media at Adam LaRue. Uh, Chris, you're going to, so you'll be on with Adam then. And we already know what you're doing with me. So we know what you're up to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cover <laughs> between the two of us, Chris just, he just hops on between me and Adam. That this is kind of what he does in his little fantasy circle. I, I just I just follow you know the winners. That's what I'm looking for. I want to be oh, good. I like that. Yeah. Look at that. that that's good. a good co-host yeah. right there. That's a guy that butters you up. That's awesome. <laughs> that's a good way to end the show, guys. Make sure you follow us on YouTube. Make sure you're downloading the show on your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with us on the go. We'll be back in a few weeks. Everybody enjoy. And until then, just keep crack a lacking and getting those drafts in. We'll see you again soon.